0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. Very excited to have you here live. Well, it's not live from the Hines Marketing Office today. Live from the Hines Family Basement. Splitting time with the World Headquarters in Redmond, Washington. Today we are in Kirkland, Washington. And excited to have you here. If you're watching us live on linkedin or youtube or facebook thanks so much for joining us very excited to have you here joining us we are here every week live at eleven thirty pacific two thirty eastern if you are watching us on demand thanks for checking us out if you are listening on demand from the podcast thank you so much for subscribing and downloading our podcast numbers continue to grow in our audience uh, just very humble to see our audience continue to diversify in the video, live, on-demand podcast formats. If you like what you hear today, this is what we do. We do 20-ish minutes with some of the best, brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. And if you want to check out any of our past episodes, we're getting close to 300 episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio, all available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Very excited to have joining us today. Sean Lavana, he is the uh, Vice President of Global Marketing for Cloud Academy, coming to us live from... Uh, the greater Boston area. Sean, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Matt. How you doing? I am doing well. We have passed our heat dome. So if you probably read like the Pacific Northwest, super hot earlier this week, I happened to be in Las Vegas on um, on Monday where it was cooler than it was here in Seattle in the Seattle area. Ridiculous. Um, of course, you know, we're a bunch of wimps out here on the West Coast in general, <laughs> because I'm sure you're like, hey, try getting our humidity tied to that. And then you're really talking.
1: You know, we don't get it quite. Uh, the humidity is always high. We don't get it quite that warm. I'm glad to hear that it's broken for you guys.
0: Yeah, if it was 116 degrees with like East Coast or Midwest humidity, um, that would be pretty rough. So uh, hopefully that doesn't hit a lot of people very often. But no, excited to have you on. Um, and, you know, as we talked about, there's a lot of topics, obviously, we could cover just related to this marketing, marketing, leadership. But I think I wanted to sort of cover professional development today because I think it's a really important topic on a lot of fronts. So before we do that, maybe just a quick introduction of yourself, um, sort of a little your background and a little bit about what Cloud Academy does.
1: Yeah, sure. So my background real quick, um, I've been a startup marketer for basically the entirety of my career. Um, So growing companies from about 10 million to 100 million in that scale up phase. So all the fun stuff that comes with that. Cloud Academy, um, I've been here uh, about seven months now. Um, What Cloud Academy does is they help uh, help you understand the skills and the depth thereof of your current tech team and put each one on a personalized path to grow where you need them to be.
0: So I I want to talk about uh, professional development in general, but sort of that concept of skills in depth, I think, is really important because a lot of companies you think about just general professional development, skill based. Hey, learn these marketing ops tools. You know, mostly it's a one size fits all format. And even if you have a small marketing team, you'll have some people that have no experience in marketing ops, you know, little experience with like a Salesforce or even Excel skills in some cases, others that have a lot. And so if you provide a one size fits all, it's going to be too intimidating for some people, too basic for others. Talk about like why that's so important to have that sort of customized approach.
1: Yeah, well, so specifically with tech teams, one of the things we run into is, okay, everybody will claim during an interview that they have a certain amount of experience, say on certain DevOps tools, like I know Kubernetes, or I've worked with AWS, or whatever it is. Well, maybe they have, but really, how well do they know that? Have they just done a project on there? Have they been really hands-on? Have they implemented it at their company? The depth to which they know that is actually incredibly important as you think about rolling out you know, changes at your company. If you're going to migrate cloud, if you're going to go multi-cloud, if you're going to Uh, Bring on Docker or Kubernetes. And Mm -hmm. to your point about marketing, same thing. You know, previous life, uh, I was a GM to a a product that was all about understanding the skills that were at your company. And so if you look on the marketing side, we feel it every day. What skills do you need for product marketing, right? Everybody's kind of got a different definition of it. And everybody's going to have a different formula of what they really want for success there. So how can you understand where those employees are at, or even we would hear it from, Uh, 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 hospitality companies, you know, Mm -hmm. what types of skills are there for a front, uh, you know, front house manager. Um, So I think it's one of those things that the broad definitions don't apply well anymore in a lot of different instances. And especially as you start to look for people with very specific skills, you're going to typically pay more for them, right? And, And so if you're going to go that route, you better know what you're getting into. And, you know, the other challenge that you'll run into there is if you can't find people, if you can't find that unicorn with that specific set of skills, well, how do you coach somebody up that, uh, th- that is probably already on your team or has the ability to do that?
0: I want to reinforce that point. I think it's really important. Like it, 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 we are in a white hot labor market right now. You know, pe- Just in general, like salaries are going crazy. There's lots of competition for individual people, people with specialized roles, specialized skills, even more expensive because they're more unique. So bringing someone on that has the capacity, that has the ability to learn, like the price of that employee plus the price of the training is often going to be less. And then yes. you then, I mean, and then there's soft benefits to that as well, because that employee sees that you are investing in their professional development. You're investing in their career. And so there's loyalty and retention elements that associate with that as well. Right.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple key things that you're hitting on there, which one of them is the easy number, which is that depending on the survey you look at, about 80 to 90% of employees feel better about and will stay longer with the company if you give them training, right? Mm-hmm. Just helping somebody advance their skills is a big win, right? And I've studied a lot, you know, just background of, of, of my job, like I've studied a lot about engagement. You know, a lot of that boils down to relationship with manager and how do I understand my purpose? Can I see the effect, the effect of that? And what's the relationship with my manager? And helping somebody grow in that is also a huge consideration, right? And I think one of the things when you, when, I don't know, personally when I reflect on it, I'm gonna be speaking a little bit out of, out, of, out of my depth here when you look back historically, but I think there used to be this bond with employer and employees, which was that I will bring you on and I will give you the training that you need. When I was graduating from college, I won't say what year because I don't <laughs> want to take <date> myself there. <laughs> a long time ago now it was pretty common that there were a couple of companies you could go to. I remember Lockheed Martin at the time. I remember GE had what they called the GE MBA. You would go to those companies and do kind of a rotation. And they would be like, listen, we believe that you're smart enough to come in here and learn what we need you to learn, but we want to put our spin on it for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you do this rotation, you'd find your spot and they help continue to educate you from there. There was, like I said, the GE MBA, which was like this informal term for just how they, uh, how they educated their employees. I think that got broken somewhere along the way, which is now, you know, As you mentioned, I'm here in the Boston area. You look at Kendall Square, or, you know, which is in Cambridge, which is where MIT is, and Harvard's not far away. There used to be all these companies that were right next to MIT that were like pretty small startup companies that you probably never heard of. right? Now, if you go there, it's Google, it's Amazon, it's Facebook, it's Biogen, it's all these big companies that want to take that new talent out because that's the model that they can, A, afford to set up, and, and B, have kind of acclimated their businesses too. Most companies can't do that. So we need to think about restoring this bond, which is that I'm going to hire you on the belief that I believe you will be able to do some part of this job well based on your previous experience or just your aptitude. And I'm going to help you advance here uh, so that you can be where I need you to be or where I want you to be or where the company needs to go. And I feel like somewhere along the line, that that bond's just been broken. and, And it's because we've you know, the point that we were just talking about, I need a product marketer. Okay. Well, do you care about somebody that has more sales enablement skills? Do you care about somebody that has more product skills? Do you want somebody that can do collateral, that can do messaging? Like, What are you looking for? Somebody's going to have different types of skills within that. So how do you take something that's there and bring them to where they need to be, as opposed to just saying, I need a product marketer with all these checklists of experiences so that I can hire them, right? It's going to be really tough to find.
0: Is this because we're impatient? Is it because we sort of wait too long to bring on someone that has the precise skills that we expect them to be productive on day two? Like, hey, as soon as you're out of orientation, like you're fully ramped, as opposed to bringing on sort of athletes with potential, people that have certain attributes or values that make them likely to be successful in potentially a parallel complementary environment.
1: Speaking from my startup experience, it's because we don't have the time. Right. We
0: or we don't think we do. Right.
1: It's probably one of the better areas that we can invest our time. But we're like, oh, man, the day to day always, always gets to it. Right. I think it's what if you can hire somebody that I saw some I'm not going to point names, but I saw somebody that had a job description that was like, I need a product marketer that has to have uh, this big data set of skills. But also at small businesses, at large businesses, they need to be VP level. Right. Like it's all these different definitions they put around it. And it's because they want somebody that can come in and plug and play right would be my understanding of something like that so it's not that it's wrong it's just that i think we probably short change ourselves by basically looking for to your point somebody that has a lot of ability to learn that showcase that that has a lot of drive right somebody uh, who was a patrick um, lacioni that was like uh, humble hungry and smart right yep. so like do they have low ego are are they hungry about something they have a chip on their shoulder they have something to prove and are they smart can they learn So if we kind of think about that as the base for it, I think there's a lot of possibilities then if we open ourselves up to that, we might need to coach them. We might need to spend some time there. We might need to bring in some outside resources to help with that potentially.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite examples of this is, you know, when you're hiring salespeople and you say, so you I want people that with experience, I want people that are proven closers. Um, you know, I remember it as a startup and we hired someone who had zero sales experience, but was a backup on the Olympic te- rowing team, U.S. Olympic rowing team. And so the, you think about sort of the attributes you need as a successful seller and the attributes and habits you need as a successful Olympic athlete. And no surprise, like he killed it. Like he came in, he crushed his quota. He became one of our best managers. So we had a lot of those skills that, that definitely translated into a new role. Um, talking today on sales Platform Radio with Sean Lavana, He runs global marketing for Cloud Academy. And Sean, we have a user, a, a, an audience question. David Kirkdorfer, thank you for, I don't know why your name doesn't show up on this here, but thank you for checking in. Um, question about work from home, checking about hybrid work models you know, is it harder now to do this? Is it harder to do training and professional development in a remote hybrid environment than when we were all in the office together?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And, and hey, David, um, I, the way I think about that is, you know, if we look at what probably didn't work well, and I'll put this in the context that's probably easier to understand from like a marketing and sales standpoint, um, which is that, you know how when you go to, you know, a really good conference and you get inspired by something, and you're like, oh man, yeah, we should have been doing that the entire, this, th- that way the entire time. And then you go back and the day-to-day takes over and you don't take that learning or that knowledge or that ability with you, right? So we had this bias towards in-person training before that you know, you would ship people away for five days, uh, they would go get certified in something, come back and they're ready to go. The reality is if they're not getting the hands-on applications, if you're not able to, or you know, the example of the marketing and sales side of things, start making small changes, start making progress towards that vision of what you want to change. It's a lot more difficult for the training to take hold. So I don't know that it matters necessarily physical versus remote, but I do think it matters that somebody can have that hands-on application as soon as possible, if not in real time.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I would agree with you. And I think just knowing sort of, you know, what are the skill sets you want people to build, um, knowing it's not just about technical skills, but I think, you know, I would argue that it's even more important if we're working remotely, you don't have the same, team building opportunities. You don't have the same rapport building. You don't have the same communication cues that you would have in person. And I think for those of us that are, I mean, those of us that are old and have done this for a while, we've had that office training. We have that experience for new employees in the market that maybe join a company out of school and have not yet been to an office or don't have that experience and training I mean that in and of itself becomes an important part. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the reasons why sometimes people don't invest in this. Like I, my perspective is like, listen, people we employ, I would love if they want to work at Heinz marketing for the next 30 years, but assuming that most of them will not, what do I do to make sure I can make them as successful and successful today and at while their time at the company, but also set them up for the next stage of their career. Like that should be my, I consider that my responsibility as a leader and as a business owner, as an employer, the other side of that coin is, well, why would I invest in all this training and certification? Why would I spend forever giving time and money getting someone certified as an expert on Marketo if they're just gonna go take another job? Good points on both sides. Like, what do you think?
1: I think it's a LinkedIn meme, isn't
0: it? Uh, The (laughs) CFO says, yeah,
1: exactly. I think, look, I, I think it's a very altruistic view you have. And I think that's, I, I would consider myself in that same camp, right? Which is that, you know, you want to build a great place to be from. I think it was the, maybe that's a Netflix uh, quote that I'm stealing from there. Yeah. But you want to make sure that you are developing people, that you create this alumni effect that showcases what a great place to work, you know, what, how great of a place it is to work there, um, how good of a mentor and coach you are because you just never know the effects of that, the network effect there is so great, as opposed to if you take that alternative approach where it's like, you know, you just use the example of do I need somebody Marketo certified? Well, I'm gonna guess for your business, you probably need them Marketo certified anyway, right? So it's probably a really good practice for you to make sure that they get certified in that. And if that increases their value on the market, well, then it's a bunch of a whole bunch of other things that you need to make sure that it's a great company culture, that again, it goes back to their engagement, they understand the purpose, they see the impact, they have a good relationships there, right? those kind of things come into play then if they're increasing their value to the market under your training. However, it's okay. Like if you actually have a really good training program too, it's okay that you can actually start to program that part into it. Where if people, if you don't have that career path that somebody wants and they age out or opt out, that's okay too, as long as you know exactly what you need to do, what what you need to hire in the next one. All right. We we tend to view people's skills as binary. They either have them or they don't, as opposed to Can they develop them? What does that mean for here?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, uh, and I think over time, you do also get a reputation in the market for caring about employees, for investing in their growth. And obviously you want, you, you have a, there's a selfish angle to say like, I want you to be better and more productive while you are here. But yeah, that meme on LinkedIn to say, well, what what if we don't invest and they stay and they won't leave? Then they're not exactly. here. Then they're right. here. They're not as useful as they could be. But I think you would make that investment. You also get a reputation in the industry for yep. in, in your market as a company that doesn't treat people as cogs, is willing to invest in making them better, even if that means they're going to leave. And I think that helps you with recruiting the right people as well. Uh, just a few more minutes here on Sales Pipeline Radio with our guest today, Sean Lavana from Cloud Academy. Um, obviously, a lot of companies have kind of formal training, especially you know like if you're going to get certified on a Salesforce or a platform or learn certain technical skills. There's a formal element of that. Um, what about informal training programs? What about the idea that you want to sometimes like just have like a book club or have like you know sharing articles on you know a Slack channel to say sort of like create those lifelong learners? How do you balance those two programs and are they both do they both have value?
1: Yeah, of course they do. Um, I think it's, you know, when you're, when it's the more structured stuff, it's like you want them to learn your system or your processes or your company, right? I mean, and the other stuff is just exactly what you're saying. If you're hiring the people that, you know, you, if you're hiring somebody because they're a learner, you want to continue to nurture that and help them learn articles that are thought provoking or where the business is headed. I think one of the things we see a lot on our platform is, well, companies will sign on and have a goal. I want to get, my team, AWS certified by X date, for example, right. One of the things we see, though, is that in really large companies, especially, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their employees are going to do are going to be what we call, you know, they're they're going to be curious. They're going to they're going to have this curiosity element where they're going to go and look at other classes, other courses, take different things that might not be directly applicable to what they're doing, but mm-hmm. they want to learn it. They want to be able to showcase uh, their skills um, in, in in when those situations come up. So. I think when you're talking about like those book clubs and those things, it's, it's incredibly important to setting the tone of the company and to, you know, helping um, learners consume stuff that might be in the direction of where you want to head.
0: So most of this conversation has focused on our teams and the people we're hiring that we need to do things within the role. What about you? Like, what about someone who's already gotten to the level of CMO that's sort of further along in their career, you know, how, how do you encourage executives and executive leadership to themselves, engage in continual professional development.
1: Well, personally, I always feel like I'm in that trough of despair, right? Like, you know, uh, right? You're like, hey, I've learned a lot. I know a lot about this. Oh no, wait, I'm in the trough of despair. And then maybe you start to climb out and actually learn stuff about it. The the yeah. Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I think for for executives, it can be it can be more challenging, right? I, I think one of the things that I find really helpful is things like what you. And e run, where you're learning from your peers, right? In in a CMO type group, I think it can be extremely helpful to have. I, you know, I always struggle with like the. I know other companies that they'll have their executive team read a book and then talk about the findings of it, right? Like for, mm-hmm. um, uh, for a while there, there were a couple of you know extremely popular books around that topic. I think that can be helpful, um, but you know, you're gonna. It's a little bit more of that academic way of learning too. So. Learning from peers really works well for me. Seeing what others are doing, um, uh, just having that network to go out to, to reach out to, of people that are going to be in similar spots, similar roles, maybe haven't been through this before. And then I think also just the team that's around you. I mean, you know, I learn a lot every day from uh, you know our CEO, the head of sales, the head of CS, mm-hmm. the head of product. Really, if we, you can have open and honest conversations as a team, I think you you know, and again, hire people with low ego that are learners you're gonna have more of those types of conversations that you're gonna learn from each other. And I think that's a pretty, pretty strong thing, almost like an insurmountable uh, competitive advantage to have if you have a team with those types of skills.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier. I think it was you mentioned Patrick he talks about being humble, hungry, and smart. Right? I mean, I think you know, like it, the humble and hungry part. I think is really is the is important most important part to me. And I think you know, to be a lifelong learner, to assume that even as you grow in your career and as you accumulate knowledge and insights and experience, that things are always changing. There's always more to learn. Um, from those at your level, from those above you, from those that maybe earlier in your career. I think, you know, having that mentality of thinking, listen, someone new to the organization who's fresh out of school, who doesn't know anything, might still have better insights in some cases because they haven't been staring at the same four walls. For sure. So being open to those insights on a regular basis. Your your book club thing was interesting to me too. We did a, um, you know, last year, I think last year the year before, we did something we called the CMO Book Club, No Reading Required. And the whole point was like, we're going to take a book and, you know, if you want to read it, great. But like most good book club conversations use the book as a starting point and then you're off to the races and then you're just talking about the topics within it. So if you want to read the book, great. Otherwise, someone's going to summarize it. Summarize it for so you. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, um, awesome. I will well, say, uh, yeah.
1: so I was going to add on, I think one of the things I tell my team all the time, because obviously fast growing in a startup environment when they're new to the organization, like write down every thought that you basically have, because oh. it'll either get validated or not. But your outsider's perspective uh, is, is not going to happen again. and It's incredibly helpful and important to the point that you were just making, which is that you can learn from anywhere. Right. So we might have valid reasons why we do or don't do something, but we might have also never thought about it that way before. So write it down and seek to validate it or not as you're as you're advancing there.
0: Well, I would I would take that a step further, like write it down and publish it. Like think enough about it and think about it to the point where it doesn't have to be a book. It could be a blog post or a LinkedIn profile or even a tweet to sort of like help you think through it. Like one of my favorite stories about that is David McCullough, who's one of my favorite, you know, historical nonfiction writers. He chooses topics to write about, not because he's an expert in it, but because he's interested and knows nothing about it. So when Mm -hmm. he wrote, you know, the, the Lewis and Clark expedition, he's like, I'm fascinated by what actually happened. I don't know what happened. So I'm going to go learn enough about it that I can write a definitive book about it. Right. And so I think that concept of, yes, like things you think about, things you observe, things you're curious about, write them down. The, I, I'm convinced over time, the process of writing, the process of actually sort of organizing your thoughts into something even semi coherent. It helps you process it. And then I mean, the the formats for any of us to go and publish things and get reaction And response and other opinions about it from others. That's, you know, talk about the informal learning process. That's part of it as well. Well, I feel like we could talk forever, but I know we got to get wrapped up here. Sean Lavana, VP of Global Marketing at Cloud Academy. Thanks so much for joining us today, sharing your insights. Where can people learn more about you and learn more about Cloud Academy?
1: Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn or in suburban Boston. Uh, Cloud Academy (laughs) is cloudacademy.com. And, you know, feel free to reach out with any thoughts, requests. Um, Always happy to connect and exchange ideas.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, thanks everyone for watching us today. Thanks, David, for your question on work from home. If you're listening to us on Sales Pipeline Radio, thanks very much for downloading and subscribing. We'll be here again next week, every week, 1130 Eastern or excuse me, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Until then, my name is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio.